Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. All right, so we'll start with some David Foster Wallace. So I, I, uh, the book is This Is Water. Some thoughts delivered on a significant occasion about living a compassionate life by David Foster Wallace. You and I have talked about this book. How many times do you think? Uh... Definitely triple digits, I feel like. At I think this it probably point. has been triple digits. Yeah. When did I first talk to you about it? And when did I first give you a copy of it, do you think? Ooh, talk to me about it. I'm not totally sure. Probably senior year of high school is when it first came up because it was something that you gave me as a graduation gift. Um, was that my senior year of high school or my thing in college? I don't know if it, I gave it to you before the end of college. I, I can't remember if it was in high school or if it went, when you had come back to work strength summer camp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that that sounds right to me. I think when I came back for a summer, you gave it to me like yeah. at the end of the summer because we had been sort of talking about it. I had, I had tried to include some of these lessons in uh, in like our breakdown at the end of sessions, and then we kept going with it. So I think that's right. Anyway, so we decided that we would. Open up to a random page in the book and read it. I think this is a really, wait till you hear this one. I'm gonna read both of them because this is actually clips from a speech, so the pages are incredibly short. So, okay, this is starting on page 88. Again, this is David speaking. Again, please don't think that I'm giving you moral advice or that I'm saying you are supposed to think this way or that anyone expects you to automatically do it because it's hard. It takes will and mental effort. And if you're like me, some days you won't be able to do it or else you just flat out won't want to. But most days, if you're aware enough to give yourself a choice, you can choose to look differently at this fat, dead-eyed, over-made-up lady who just screamed at her kid in the checkout line. Maybe she's not usually like this. Maybe she's been up three straight nights holding the hand of her husband who's dying of bone cancer. Or maybe this very lady is the low-wage clerk at the motor vehicles department who just yesterday helped your spouse resolve a nightmarish red tape problem through some small act of bureaucratic kindness. And that alone, I think you and I can appreciate those two pages. If anyone has not read this or watched it um, on YouTube, I think you should. But we said we'd use it as sort of a jumping off point, so jump. Yeah, um, you know, this actually, I've told people this before, maybe I've even said it on the podcast, but this is one of the first books I ever read where it really felt like it actually changed my life when I read it. Um, And we've said before, I know in private conversation that like, it's one of those books where I will return to it every now and again, because I feel like, A, I need the reminders that come along with it. And B, like you can pick up on new things with every reading. And that particular piece is funny to me or the the page you turn to i guess serendipitous might be a better word just Mm. because like i'm not sure that there's a better time in like the world globally to be reminded of something like that um obviously the larger message of the the speech in the book is you know choosing how to think and i I would say uh empathy is a pretty common theme throughout Mm -hmm. the book yeah and like man, um, I have just, I've, I've felt that, right? Like, especially in our profession, when we're dealing with young athletes, like some, you want to be empathetic because the 
truth is that none of us as coaches know what they're experiencing and they're going through because it's the, the first generation since, you know, many, many past to experience something like this. Like this. And we're talking specifically about like the chaos caused by the lockdown, loss of season, loss of school, loss of camaraderie with classmates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And like sometimes you just, you, you want to be empathetic and you want to be compassionate and sometimes you just don't have it. Like I've yeah. had those days, unfortunately, where I've woken up and maybe I didn't sleep that well that night and I'm just slow getting started and then I, I go to work with the kids and it's like you just you forget all that and it can mm. be easy to kind of like have it go to the wayside. And again, it's something that I, I try and remind myself of all the time of like the fact that I don't know what they're going through and that it might be deeper than that and that I can, you know, hopefully potentially in my position, help them through that. Yeah. Um, but it's just so right to me that some days you just don't have yeah. it. The capacity for empathy at that level. Yeah. Can I also add that, um, some people, you know, there is, there's an, there is a, a whole host of ideas that come alongside this. One of them, you know, the, the pushback for a lot of people is, you know, why is it on me to constantly have empathy for others? You know, you know, for the kid who's late all the time, for the kid who ditches practice and doesn't and doesn't communicate, for the woman who's yelling at her kid in the in the grocery store line. You know, and and I think the point of the book is it's not on you. You definitely don't have to. But if you can, if you can like sort of call it, it really, it's, it's the adult version of emotion regulation and intentionality and being deliberate. So a lot of the things that, that we're about at the Good Athlete Project. So it's like, you have a choice. You don't have to engage, you know, you don't have to be empathetic. Uh, but I, but I think what, what always stands out to me about the book is that like this small level of humility that gives you space between what happened and what the next steps might be. Next steps being like your behaviors or even just your emotional reactivity, you know, in the presence of, of whatever just happened, that there is an element of choice within that. And that's important for people to understand. We've talked about Lisa Feldman Barrett on the podcast many, many times, but it's important for people to understand because I think we have more agency in the way we experience emotions than people think we do. Like emotion is not a cloud that sort of comes over you. It happens to you and you just cross your fingers and hope that it leaves soon. There's agency. Uh, the brain is a prediction machine. It's a, it, it predicts what's going to happen and, and, and preps for whatever's about to happen before what happens happens. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, you know, cortisol levels jump. Your pupils dilate. You, you ready yourself to run before you see the teeth of the bear. Right, that mechanism clicks in when you hear the rustle in the dark woods. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. And uh, I actually just had a conversation about this last night with some athletes, and and this kind of reminds me of of the value of being deliberate about how you are going to respond to things, so that you can sort of color your mind and react to things differently down the line. And he, and let me bring it all the way through. Part of that section of the book. It's talking about sitting in traffic, right? And like, I, I've been there. I know you've been there. It, it's so easy to just, to just feel. Feel stressed. Feel frustrated. Have every person that cuts ahead of you, that person's clearly a jerk. You know, whatever. Uh, it's hard to slow down and like you said, try to have some empathy. Okay? And sometimes you feel like you don't have space for it. But 
I always think about this stuff in terms of like physical fitness. So you develop a fitness for empathy, just like you develop fitness for patience, a fitness for, you know, running, you know, if you, the more routinely you do it and deliberately engage with it, the easier it is to call upon, the more of it you have. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, well, first of all, the, the traffic example is like a funny one because I just think back to like the times I've been frustrated in traffic. First of all, the things I've said in my car to myself, um, I'm not proud of, nor would my mother be. I'm sorry, Curse mom. words? Alex, yeah. oh. can you admit to the audience? Curse words. I would never. Oh. I would never. I plead the fifth. Okay, fair. Um, but uh, on top of it too, like the amount of times I've been like, man, people are driving like such jerks today but like sure. somehow i'm a vo- i'm not you're the only one on the road not <laughs> like, driving like a jerk exactly yeah, yeah why am i the only one that's yeah, obeying yeah, yeah. the laws and being kind to people but the other thing that you said that kind of sparked something for me was the idea of like why why are you, why do you have to be the one to uh you know have that mindset for other people mm-hmm. and my response to that also, in addition to everything that you said would be, you don't realize just how much better and easier your life will become if you can get yourself there. Yep. Because like traffic can be frustrating. It doesn't have to be. Because the truth is that, and everybody knows this, um, and we all forget it in the moment, like no matter how frustrated you get, it doesn't make the cars move faster. Yep. So you can approach right if you if you practice this and build your capacity for it again. It's like you can choose to be frustrated and still get home at the same time, or be like you know a little bit like you know what it is what it is. Hey, I'm gonna throw on a podcast. I'm exactly. gonna deal with you know yeah. And so it's like again, it's, you can't. Sometimes it's hard to keep your eyes downfield so to speak yeah and like no that you say eyes on the road yeah but fair fair i don't know why on earth you would (laughs) go there but um (laughs) yeah but yeah Yeah. it's i i think it's a beneficial thing to i teach yourself how to do i agree and i'm i agree completely because the other thing i would say is yeah you know i i get the frustration of of and i'll be honest i felt it before like i'll go through a day and i'm like man why why do I feel at the end of the day, why do I feel like I've been called upon to, the, to be the bigger person in every situation I've been in today? You know what I mean? Like, you mm-hmm. know, and, and yeah. I'm not always right about that. Okay. Sometimes I, I overestimate, you know, just how empathetic I'm being, but why does it feel like I'm doing that? And, and it frustrates me, but I will tell you, I've sort of taught myself to think this way that it no longer frustrates me because I'm like, well, what's my other option? Hope that everyone takes care of their business and engages with me differently. First of all, it's never going to happen. It's also not as empowering as the alternative, right? Think of this idea, like you're in a sea of cars and you're the one with control. You're not crossing your fingers, hoping everyone else is all of a sudden going to drive better or quicker or let you get to your destination faster. No, like you're in control. You are deciding how you are going to respond to what's at hand. And I think that's like, uh, you know, I think that is, it's such a powerful way to live. You know, we've, we've had access to a lot of different coaches and teams and, and all sorts of organizations over time. And I will tell you that one of the distinguishing factors between the ones that succeed and the ones that sort of constantly find themselves frustrated is, is that kind of mindset. 
you don't just as a hypothetical example, you don't get an outcome you want instead of pointing fingers and said who did this this whatever. Um, it, it's it's an ownership thing. How could I have changed the outcome? And maybe it maybe it does come down to communicating with a member of the team who had to do something better. That's fine. That's fine to recognize. But but it's uh, in my opinion, in, in from the, in those cases, there's less a judgment of the person who didn't do their part than an assessment of you know, the level of communication between the leader and the person who is supposed to do that thing. And, go, and moving from, from judgment and I would say emotional reactivity and all those things to assessment and thoughtfulness and logic and deliberation, that is such a powerful shift and it's really hard to do. And coming back to this, it all comes down to shouldering that responsibility of choice in those uncertain moments. You feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, you can't ever know how anyone else is feeling, even if they tell you, because you don't feel what they feel. Right. They don't feel what you feel. Yeah. So the idea of taking control for yourself and your own, I mean, what else is there? Yeah. Because you can't change somebody else and how they react or how they feel. Right. So, I mean, honestly, to me, in, in a way, it feels like the only choice you really have. The only choice you have is to do your best to own your experience, uh, forgive yourself when things don't go well, submit to the fact that there are other contextual factors that you don't have control of, and just own your peace. There, there is no other choice. And, and that's one of the things that like, that's why you know, we throw that term beyond strength around, because like, if you do it right, in the, in the preparation, in the weight room, on the football field, whatever it might be, you're preparing to do that well down the road. You can't control what the person next to you is doing. You control your effort in the moment. You can recognize that there's pain in the moment, but you can sort of project forward and say this pain just might be worth it if I push through. And if I engage with it correctly, if I don't lament the fact that my legs are sore from squatting, but appreciate the fact that my body is having this response to the assault of a heavy squat day and I'm getting better from it. You know, it's subtle language differences that, that really do change your mind. In fact, I'm okay. What was the, what was the video series that you wanted to do once upon a time? Oh man. Uh, been so many. I don't know. I don't know. The one where we were, we were talking about sort of funky things in the, in the weight room. Oh, uh, deep squats. Deep squats, like deep thoughts, but deep while squatting, which is a great idea. So I just have, I swear, was this planned? That I, this was here? I don't think so. It was not planned. Okay. So the, the title of this book, this just happens to be a book of poetry I wrote when I was in grad school. It's called Colors of Mind. And uh, let me see if I can, yeah, okay. So it starts with a quote from Basho, who's like a, an ancient uh, haiku poet. And he wrote, when a poet who has always been assiduous in the pursuit of his aim applies himself to an, eternal, to an external object, the color of his mind naturally becomes a poem. I'm going to read that one more time. When a poet who has always been assiduous in the pursuit of his aim applies himself to an external object, the color of his mind naturally becomes a poem. And he was sort of notorious for develop like coloring his mind intentionally meditation mindfulness like you know and then just going out into the world and looking and the way you the way you interpret that freaking tree over there is different 
based on like your your the color of your mind. You know, I could it, it would be so easy to be frustrated that that tree isn't taller or more you know well manicured, or there's a or you could color your mind to have like this level of appreciation, where it's like, what a fantastic tree, or it just is what it is, a tree. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a judgment free. Anyway, I don't know. I I hope I'm not getting too out there in the ether for some of the listeners, but it really does. It feels like that all aligns. You're making these David Foster Wallace. You're making these intentional decisions in these moments of uncertainty and potentially chaos, over and over and over again. Essentially, coloring your mind. That's where the fitness comes in, because the next chaotic or challenging situation that you encounter. You'll interact with that differently because of the internal between the years practice that you've been undertaking for however long. The thing I wanted to talk about today was uh, building a process. And I see a lot of talk surrounding it. Uh, for example, the cliche, trust the process and mm-hmm. everything like that. And people saying that they are process minded, not product minded. and. Um, I had a conversation with a fellow coach and it was a, that was something that came up being focused on the process versus being focused on the product. And ultimately what came of that is that we still care about the product on the back end. Mm -hmm. There's no question. That's, you know, like we, we still want to win. That's why a lot of coaches are doing what they're doing. They want to win. Coaches are competitive, of course. And so my my thing is how do you take someone and this is kind of where i want to end up and i'll start back where i originally envisioned but where i want to end up is essentially how do you realign with your process if you feel like you've maybe lost your way yeah so like how do you realign yourself with that idea because i think sometimes like the process is supposed to be or not supposed to be but the process can be that oh it's this automatic thing that happens Uh And yep. if we don't engage with it thoughtfully, we can get away from it. And then all of a sudden we're so focused on winning a state championship that it's like, are you, are you process minded Yeah. or are you just focused on the outcome? And so that's where I want to end up. And I guess where I want to start. I have a lot of ideas on that. Just you, so you know, but go ahead. How do you start a process? How do you build a process? Well, you, you, you just by asking that question, you have sort of the answer to your second question, I think. Because I, I agree, I think being process oriented, being being a person who, who values process over product, it has sort of become a cliche. It's true, it's totally true in my opinion, uh, but there's too much abstraction within that sentiment, in, at least in what it's become. So it comes back to our mantra, does your behavior match your goal? You can't begin a process without knowing what you want it to develop into. That's one thing. So, you know, this it really is, you have to say where you want to go. It's often very helpful, and Simon Sinek popularized this, to identify why you want to go there, of course. Then start to develop a roadmap. Like, processes don't happen. Sometimes people just say, trust the process, when they're really just saying, trust me, this is what I'm feeling or thinking in the moment, right? Yeah. Um, but but no, it's it's let's design a path toward it. And the path has to be, and this is really the nitty gritty and how do you, it ultimately gets back to your question, how do we get back on track? The path has to be true enough that it'll get you to your destination and flexible enough that you can veer off the path and come back to it. 
So that's like, and the truth is, these are concepts that have to hold true, but the doing of that is very hard. So one, I think, pretty clear, well, no, yeah, no, I agree with this. So uh, uh, the path to strength is far more clear, in my opinion, than most other paths. The textbook that is right over there is, I don't know how many pages long, 20-some chapters. It's called The Essentials of Strength and Conditioning. It's the NSCA sort of core text. You can, you can develop a path to a higher back squat, you know, um, that's pretty clear. You can develop a program, reps, sets, periods, uh, deloads, like you can put that together and follow it and, and it's kind of clean. You probably will get stronger. That said, and everyone knows this, and it's above the, I think it was above Scott Caulfield's desk, like the great ones adapt, even that really well articulated plan, there has to be adaptability there. Um, if, if someone shows up to a, the weight room and they were supposed to do a set of three at, you know, a near mat, you know, super heavy set of three and they didn't sleep the night before, then the numbers have to be adjusted. You know, that, and, and that's my opinion, but that doesn't mean that you can't get right back on track the next week and, uh, and, and try to hit the numbers that you intended with maybe more rest behind you. So I'm trying to think about a w- way to succinctly say this. You have to identify a goal. You have to identify a destination. You have to set up a, a you have to uh, design a path to get there. That path has to be simultaneously very explicit in certain ways, explicit in the most important ways, and flexible in some of the auxiliary ways. Okay? And, and that's it. In my opinion, that path and that outcome, or rather the outcome that you're walking toward, the outcome, or, or rather the path has to be valuable whether you get to the destination or not. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that feels like an important point that I think is the nuance that's missing from kind of the cliches that have started to emerge about the process. Yes. Is that we give ourselves one way to be... People think like trust the process means in the end we're going to achieve this one goal that we said we were going to achieve from the beginning. But like that doesn't happen for so many people, especially if you're talking about something like, like a championship. Right. Only one team gets to be there. Too many other factors, right? So right. that I think that's a really important point. I think it's important. I agree with you. I, um, yeah, I think it, it's that is essential understanding for anyone who wants to be process oriented. At least I think that's the way we try to do it. If the process, and, and you think about this, if the outcome outweighs the process, that's when you start to get into bad processes. You can be a process oriented person in like in the dealing of drugs. You know, like that's, you know, that's not that good. <laughs> so as coaches, I think that's the idea. If you're, you're process oriented. You're almost, it's almost like having a really self-aware scientific method going on almost at all times. Here's where I want to go. And then ideation steps. Here's what I'm going to try to try to get me there. The application of that attempt, right? The, the actual attempt. Listening to the feedback that, that you get from making the attempt. And then either continuing on or reevaluating as necessary and then and, and repeat, you know, just over and over and over again. That sounds, I hope that doesn't sound too complicated to people because people are like getting comfortable with that understanding that this is a, this is a pro that all of this is a process. Man, this is getting so muddy, but, but being a process person is a process getting your mind to this place where you know, recognize that this is good. Whether or not we win a championship, 
this is good, even if we have a losing record, this is good regardless of outcome, That's that itself is sort of a mindset shift that is a that takes a process to get to. There's a super high degree of intentionality there. And really, I'm really glad you brought this up because it does align directly with the stuff we talked about with David Foster Wallace, Basho's color of mind stuff. Like you have to color your mind to get there first. That has to be developed. And then you start engaging with it routinely. And then if you're a coach and an educator, you can start giving it to other people. Here's where your mindset has to be. Here's the approach we're going to take to get this sort of shared, you know, to, to uh, move toward this shared purpose or hoped for outcome. And here are the things that we have to recognize as we go. Man, that's a good question, Alex. Well, and, and so, so to get back to your initial question, like, how do you return to the process when you feel like you've fallen off a little bit? I, I'm. T- it's so weird, but like, you got to breathe. I'm not saying you have to meditate and practice mindfulness, but I do think that helps sometimes. And, and, and that can look different for different people. I personally, like I went on a walk this morning. That was like my quote unquote, you know, mindfulness time. I just went on a walk and I tried not to even think about my phone. I just walked. Um, but you have to slow down. You have to slow down and think about the map that you set up for yourself and like, and just ask, am I, am I on the right track or did I veer off? And then, you know, and, and here's the real truth. If you if you come to the realization that shoot, I didn't I didn't I didn't bring the map or I didn't put one in place in the first place, then then that becomes step one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that seems exactly right. And the other thing I would think, and I'm curious what you think, um, I know when we do our consultations, for example, uh, we will draw out essentially what ends up becoming a roadmap uh, for the character by design, right? Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, I think if anybody is interested in that particularly from like that service that we provide, please reach out. Yeah. But do you see value in having it be like in having kind of a more tangible version of what you decide your process is and your roadmap, like engaging with it in that way? A more tangible version. Like like an actual physical copy of like, this is where we want to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And and, and I think that that, so my my tangible version of that, it's uh, anchor concepts and, and mantras. So like, for example, Nutri Strength and Conditioning, my day job, I love it. I'm so happy to be there and part of such an amazing organization. But everyone on our staff, we, we have these, these bullet points. We don't have to remember, you know, you, you, you'd hope that the heart of it stays true. You know, we want to use strength to uh, educate young people and teach them lessons for life. You know, that this is what we want to do. You hope the heart is real. But then how do you remind yourself of that? How do you remind yourself of something abstract? Well, it depends which scene you're in. If it's in the weight room on the day, we have a very easy three-step mantra for the for the kid and the coach to remember. Start fast, stay focused, finish strong. Hang your hat on those three staples and, and the rest of the day will, will organize itself to a degree. From a coaching perspective, you know, we take the time, this is something we do with organizations, we take the time to source the people involved and articulate anywhere between a three to five step process. Ours happens to look like do you remember this at all from back when you worked with us? Say priority one is safety. Yep. Priority two, do you remember? I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> it's okay. I do not. Okay. Safety. 
character, community, leadership, performance. And there's a rationale for every bit of it. Number one is if we get people in and out of our space safely, we've done some good. If we can, if we can make them more safe in the future when they go play their sport, then we've done automatic good and, and we can stop at point one if that's all we get to. We don't want to stop at point one, but that's the first good. Uh, character development is number two. Making people feel like part of a community, that's number three. Number four is leadership. So once they start to really get it, know the way, go the way, show the way to the to others. So we have people start, you know, that's how you really scale is when you develop leaders within a group. And then performance, like like my shirt right now. You want to read that to the audience so I don't sound like a total jerk? <laughs> 2019, NASA, 2019 NASA National Champions. Yeah. So like I want, make no mistake about it, like I want to win. I, I plan to win and I literally plan to win. Like we write programs, we, we, we do that so that people will have their best shot at, at being high performers. But if they, if, you know, if something's going off in the weight room, if, if the situation isn't safe, say, or if the character is low or, or, you know, whatever, something's off about the weight room, we, sh- we, we stop it and address those, those other things first. And we do it always. And I, I'm telling you, it's funny. I, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I almost get made fun of um, for sometimes coming back to those boring seeming character ideas. Like you don't have to MF your opponent. You don't have to kill your opponent. Like, you know, using that language. So we will often, we'll, when I hear students using that, I'll slow us down, be like, look, what are we trying to do here? Are you actually trying to quote unquote kill the other 15 year old? Or are you trying to train so you can do, you know, perform skills X, Y, and Z so that we have a better chance of winning a football game, yeah. right? And, and, and it's this, again, I've used this term a bunch of times, but it's this fitness. You keep coming back to it so that ultimately, and, and this is true across the board, performance takes care of itself, you know? And, and that's just true. Like I, I've been really lucky and I'm just gonna like, Freaking, it's not even a humble brag. I'm just saying it. But I've worked. You you've worked with a lot of these teams as well as part of the crew. Uh, but we've worked with more than 30 state or national championship teams. We've coached a number of state championship teams. We've now had three national championships in powerlifting. Like, like this plays out. This plays out. And your your group is doing the same thing. But like today, our kids will are are taking part in a diaper drive for the Infant Welfare Society. So the first thing they do in the weight room is they drop off the diapers. And because it's service learning, the first thing we do as coaches is ask them to reflect on why that was important. Reflect on what it means to give back. All these different things. Oh, by the way, and then we go move weights to, you know, in, in attempts to win another championship. Yeah. Right. So anyway. So, man, I'm, I'm talking a lot. But but it is a podcast, I guess. What else would you and, do? Yeah. That, and that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's um, that's but, what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I hope that does, I hope that gets back. Cause like, what's our goal? What's the path to get there? What are our absolutes? Where's the wiggle room? Let's develop a fitness for doing this over and over. And if you lose the way, forgive yourself, come on back. Yeah. I would say that last piece especially is really poignant. Like for so many coaches out there. Cause again, when you see these things, there can be this pressure that's created, um, via social media or, you know, conversations with other coaches where, everybody wants to think of themselves as process people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when you're bombarded with the messages of trust the process, we're process oriented. We're not like 
if you feel like yours isn't totally locked in, there can be that like mm-hmm. guilt almost or like shame associated mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. it. Like, oh man, I'm not doing as much as I can. And I think the um, I think the idea of like forgive yourself is really important. It is because like yeah, like you know what? There's a good chance it's going to happen. You're going to lose at some point in your coaching career. There's a good chance that you will lose sight of your process and it doesn't have to be for a long time it doesn't mm. have to be like yeah you know, this like super detrimental thing but it's just something that might happen and so being able to kind of step back and be like acknowledge it recognize it forgive yourself move forward 100 percent. in the immortal words of john bon jovi you ready for this living on a prayer living on a prayer <laughs> no it was something he was at a, he did a graduation speech and he said something along the lines of um, you know, map the path to your future in pencil, not pen, hmm. something like that. That was sort of like the sentiment of it. Hmm. So I, I agree, but, but it, it says, but it says all things do make the map. You know what I mean? But that, you know, use a pencil, have an eraser adjust anyway. So, uh, I think we probably close with John Bon Jovi. I don't know in the immortal words. <laughs> I don't know. I'm joking. I don't know if the mic will even pick this up, but, uh, but I think, uh, I, I listen, I really, I always appreciate our conversations, Alex, and I honestly do feel like it's part of our process. You know, I think the way that we try to approach things and, and the, the things that we do together, um, and, and even the, you mentioned the consultations, a lot of it is having good conversation with people to get to the heart of what really matters. And once you do, drawing a map, you know, and making the bullet points and, and identifying the standards or the anchor concepts and progressing from there. So thanks for chatting today. Yeah, thank you. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T.com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.